and welcome back to another episode of Talk 21. It's your host, Sam Genova, and of course, my co-host. Welcome back. Thanks for uh, watching us again. <laughs> or no, what? not. No. Today, boys, we're going to talk about co-habitat, co-living in a market where you simply cannot get a mortgage by yourself. So you want me to start? Sure. Well, it's a good topic. I mean, we've seen the influx of uh, rental rentals going through the roof because affordability is a bit down. And then I'm seeing the swing where people are buying bigger homes and they're co- cohabitating. Like people are like two families coming together or uh, or like people just basement in income, basement, like secondary incomes, these, like these roll house, laneway houses that they're talking about too. There's a whole bunch of different things going on, and it's become more common. And it, and it used to be more of a thing where immigrants coming into the country that needed to do this, but I think it's just people are just doing it. I yeah. mean, uh, so it's becoming something that's a viable way of living. Like people are not not able to afford a big detached home they're they're coexisting so the uh, the other day i heard uh, a stat that people are also um renting out like spaces like rooms uh to yeah. individuals so whether you have a couple extra rooms vacant in your house bedrooms they're they're renting out you know yeah. bedroom spaces well one of the big things that the hotel chains are doing primarily uh there's a, a one in the united states called extended suites by holiday inn where basically you can take one of their hotel rooms and stay for up to a year and they give you like a really reduced rate. This is coinciding with the fact that no one can afford to stay at the hotel just on a weekend. Yeah, night to night. no one can afford living. So now hotels are starting to open up. How do you guys feel about that concept? I mean, look, I think uh, with today's market and conditions, I think people need help. So... However, we can accommodate and help these people. I'm all for it. I mean, uh, if this is uh, obviously that's that's I, I, I believe it's going to be a temporary thing unless it becomes a full time. I have no idea. They start converting hotels into residential suites. I mean, I, I don't know. But like I said, I think anything we can do to help people in this in this tough economy, I right. mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's it's about being creative, about being able to sustain the lifestyle. The like the, everything's getting too too expensive. So, if you can't afford a home, you think the, you know people are welcoming welcoming like residents, people to come in and rent strangers so. into their own house. So, I mean, uh, however we can get creative, I mean, I think it's uh, I'm all for it. So we do not condone illegal um, transactions, especially with people who renovate their basements for. Uh, what do they call it? A multiplex home where two families can live in there? Talk yeah, duplexes. Right? As long as you have an entrance. Some of it is not done by code or right. by permit or even by you know legal permits. Right. How? What kind of a risk are people taking now staying somewhere where it technically hasn't been legally approved? Well, most 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 apartments, especially basement apartments, have not been ever really legalized. Like, there's, I would, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm assuming maybe more than fifty percent are not even legal. Maybe even more than that. Yeah. So, with that being said, um, there's always a bit of a risk because there's not always a proper egress to get to get out of the apartment should there be a catastrophic fire or something like that. So, everybody's got to be mindful of that, especially if you're representing a buyer, an investor who was looking for a multi-residential dwelling. 
got to be mindful that some of these are not legal. So we can't represent them in any other way other than telling them that. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't mean you can't legalize them and retrofit them to become legal. But yeah, you have to be very mindful as a realtor trying to represent somebody who's looking for a multi Yeah, and, and it is it is our job to disclose that whenever we have a, a listing. So as yeah. a buyer, when we're going in there, we need to know that. And there's nothing wrong with having a, a not legal basement yeah. or part. Like it's, there's nothing wrong with it as long as... The living space is 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 because uh, it's proper for people to live and they can and, use because and, and, and you got to make sure they're aware that it's not legal. Yes. you could definitely legalize it. It might you know you might have to have proper fire separation, obviously a proper regress from from a from a bedroom to be able to climb out of the dwelling. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that it's not somebody's not going to rent it. Like people no, are still course. renting properties like that. So now we're going to delve into slumlords. Basically, the the issue that's happening now in this current market is that. People cannot afford to buy, so they need to rent. And these landlords know that, and they're not upkeeping with their maintenance, and people are living in very tough conditions. So what do we do to combat this, this rise in slumlord behavior? That's a fantastic question, because the funny thing is I had this conversation with someone yesterday. So what's happening, I'm not, Dave, I'm sure you're aware of it. There's a lot of immigrants coming to the country that are illegal, and um, people who own properties as investments are, are because these people have nowhere to stay and can't right. really afford and are trying to figure things out. They're jamming a whole bunch of people living in under one dwelling um, illegally. Like, so they, 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 these poor people don't have the right to speak up, but they're living in these tough conditions. And uh, it's happening a lot more than, like I know of a house that it's happening to right now. And it's just like, it's got to be twenty people living in there. Wow, I mean, I I, I haven't crossed that. I haven't crossed my path. It hasn't crossed my path. Oh, but yeah. but I, I don't doubt it. Like I mean, there's desperate times, desperate measures. But at the end of the day, we have we have a tribunal that governs all these things. And uh, if everybody's mindful, for the most part, tenants have most of the rights anyway. So, uh, but the problem is, Dave, these people are here illegally. Yeah, so that's they've, different. They've, they've got no. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's definitely definitely something that's going on. But for the bigger picture, they're not all legal. No, and so no. the places that are not that great of accommodations, there are, there are ways that the tenants could resolve, resolve their matters by going to the tribunal. Tenants in, in Ontario and Canada like, have way more rights as, than landlords do. And they're usually the more fortunate in these, in these scenarios. But in, if it's a really horrible dwelling with like major hazards, obviously that's Nobody not, right either. That's that, not yeah. right either. And on that topic of illegal immigrants, the number one problem, number one in Toronto, in the downtown core, is the fact that a lot of these illegal immigrants are coming here, obviously, you know, unregistered, and the landlords know this, so they're sometimes charging them three, four X more than what the, <clears throat> what the rate is. Should there be legislation or some sort of a regulation in regards to controlling these landlords that take advantage of people that have no voice. Yeah, I mean, the neighbor should talk. That's really the only. That's really the only way that it it stops these landlords from doing it. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, mean the legislation legislation is very clear. Like either for residential dwellings, we're not allowed to take security deposits. It's first and last month only. If somebody's voluntarily paying way more because they don't qualify as a regular tenant, right. and they're they're saying, look, we have a lot of money, but we just don't have a job or uh, like uh, red references whatsoever. But we have a bank account with funds in it that we came to this country. That's fine, but you know, landlords got to be understanding that you know, if you're if you're taking all these rents in as prepayments for 
in lieu of having credentials with regards to jobs and or references, you're still taking a chance because at the end of the day, I mean, they could they could go back to their tribunal and say they were unjustly uh, treated and possibly get those deposits back or what we call security deposits that we're not supposed to be calling security deposits so, back. So now the problem with that, and I'll challenge you on that, is that a lot of these people do not have the, the funds to legally fight this. Legally, they won't be able to sustain the lawyer fees, so this could never get its way to the courts. I, I'm gonna have to disagree with that because there, it's not a it's not a legal matter. This is the tribunal, so you can apply at the tribunal without proper representation. And if the case is valid and somebody gets some basic uh, knowledge about what what the what the what the laws are with regards to tenancies in place, they it's just gonna take a long time because everything's backlogged and all that. But it's it's usually something that I, I usually I have to say usually tenants are ahead of the game on this one. So if they're mindful and they got a bit of representation, they can they they can they can get uh, just justice basically, right? So. And the last question to end off this episode is is a simple one yet a difficult one. Should we impose strict credit checks, especially from a landlord to a tenant, to make sure that they're not stepping into any issues where all of a sudden they can up and leave? or they're suddenly they damage the home, but their, their security deposit doesn't cover, should there be a bit more strict credit checks? Well, well back to Dave's point is you, the tenants have a lot more rights in their favor than the landlord. So to the credit reports, it's a must, of course. You must check the credit. You must have uh, proof of employment. You must follow up with their employers to see if it's true. You know, well, recent recent... Well, they should. If you're, if you're, if I'm representing you yeah. as a as an agent putting a deal for you with regards to a lease, whether it's a basement apartment or a or a five thousand square foot home, you need to make sure. Yeah. And like like nowadays, the tools are all there. But the best thing is just checking references, and then at the end of the day, you have an interview process too. If yes. it's you, you either do a Zoom call, meeting, meeting uh, like Google uh, Teams, whatever they are. Like there's ways of getting in front of them, even if you're not physically in front of them. But yeah. you need to interview. And and that, and that you have to you have to make sure because it can go bad anytime. Uh, absolutely, I think your point is uh, that happens when a lot of people don't use a realtor when they do it themselves, and they're like, there okay, you, you know what? I was just um, uh, should you get a legal representation of a realtor in order to make sure that all the yeah. keys are crossed and all the dies? I'm an investor. You know, I've done this multiple mm -hmm. times. I can do it myself. I rented out so many places, and then what happens? Yeah, I mean, you could you could definitely do your like a prudent landlord could rent their space out on their own. But at the end of the day, if you're not sure, like lean out, lean to us because we're, it's not it's not the service that is our bread and butter. Obviously, it's actually more time consuming. But when we service our clients, uh, you know, we're selling properties and buying properties, and alongside with that, we'll help you lease them. Even though it's not our bread and butter, but we've been there. Like we're investors ourselves. We have units yeah. out there in the REM pool. So we've, we're coming we're coming to you with experience as a realtor, experience as uh, landlords ourselves. So in general, yeah, that we're here for that. If so it, it'd be silly you if you didn't. All future tenants. Yes, have have What's a realtor that? take care of your leases whenever yeah. you need something because the little bit that you spend that? is worth. We have to do so much more work. Sometimes we say that even doing a lease is it's more work than, than when you selling have to, a house. Than when you have to Absolutely. sell a house. Absolutely. So a lot of work involves a lot of checks that you have to do and yeah. make when sure these people check out but again also the paperwork is not always the end all be all either because you have some 
newer people that are coming to the country that may not have the credit or jobs, uh, but they have like a good um, savings account. Um, they're trying to find jobs. So it's a big, you have to look at the you whole have picture. To look at, you have to sit down, definitely must 100% all my, all my lease properties, all my list. I sit down and interview the tenants. It's yeah. a must, 100%. If you're not doing that, you're you're missing out. You're making a huge mistake. So now the next biggest must is, Dave, if they have more questions, where can they find us? <sighs> I hate this part. If you want more, if you if you want more information about leases and how to put them together, you can find us at C21 Fine Living Realty, or just pick up the phone and call me. What's the number? You know, and my number too, four one six. My my cell number is four one six five six one two six six zero. And you can, <laughs> and you can find me at Sam Genova Real Estate, or call me four one six nine eight five two six three three. We're glad to help.